Was Raymond Lafouche a cantankerous old geezer? Yes, but he was a very helpful old geezer as well. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast, your birth for the best stories in boating. Each week, my colleagues and I will bring you everything from salty stories to thought-provoking trend discussions, as well as interviews with the most interesting characters to ply the sea. Whether you're listening from the boatyard, your slip, or hopefully well underway, we're glad to have you aboard. Hi, your old buddy Captain Bill Pike here with another tale excerpted from the personal archives. This one, as you'll see, happened a long time ago, during the days when I was really getting good at misspending my misspent youth. I guess, in a way, the tale represents the path I took to get into professional seafaring. And let me tell you, it was a curvaceous, circuitous path that was taken out of necessity, really. But, when I look back on it, It was one heck of a lot of fun. I hope you have a little fun yourself listening to it. The title, Not Enough Salt. You can learn a lot from an experienced skipper, even if he's a cantankerous old cuss. Not long after graduating from the Great Lakes Maritime Academy, Captain J.B. Collings and I, neither of us were captains back then, wound up living in a frazzled old tent in a soggy campground on the outskirts of Morgan City, Louisiana, swatting mosquitoes during the long, sweltering nights and worrying about the water moccasins and alligators that frolicked on nearby Lake Pallord. During the day, we beat the streets for deckhand jobs. Since our newly minted pilot's licenses were great for the Great Lakes, where the seafaring biz had just tanked, but useless on the Gulf Coast. Meals, as you can imagine, were lackluster. Fruit Loops in the morning, pancakes for lunch, Chef Boyardee for dinner. To synopsize our living conditions during this sad but instructive period, and paraphrase singer-songwriter Roger Miller, I gotta say that J.B. and I were, at the time, Men of means, by no means, kings of the road. Of course, eventually we got jobs. On the Creole Bell, a push tug that shepherded barges loaded with propane and other explodables back and forth between ports well up the Mississippi River and ports on the intercoastal waterway well south of Corpus Christi, Texas. The pay was measly, but hey, Life on the bell was considerably better than sleeping with snakes, alligators, and mosquitoes. There was, however, one hang-up, the skipper, a fellow I'll call Raymond Lafouche. He was a piece of work. Yankee deckhands, he sneered when we first came aboard, adding some epithets I'll admit for decency's sake. Then he grimly detailed our deckhand duties, which, in addition to hauling and manipulating a vast array of poly lines, wire ropes, 70-pound barge ratchets, shackles, 
capstans, and winches entailed chipping rust off the bell and slathering her with paint whenever the sun shone as well as serving as cooks on a rotating basis. J.B. one day, me the next. He concluded his remarks with an especially disconcerting statement while his engineer and nephew, Fabian, looked on with a smirk. Supper would soon occur, and I was the cook du jour, although J.B. could help just this one time for expediency's sake. Now get to gettin', Raymond roared. Who lord? The old boy's favorite meal, and the one he envisioned for the evening, was a Cajun staple red beans and rice, a potentially delectable concoction that features red kidney beans, white rice, a few veggies and spices, and anything else kicking around, whether shrimp, andouille sausage, or whatever. I've never been much of a cook. But Raymond's directions were precise and schoolmasterly. The beans were delicate, he said. The rice had to be cooked just so and he hauled out a cast-iron frying pan for the smothered meat, which he declared was the ideal complement to R.B. and R. By the time everything was ready, it all smelled pretty dang good, and J.B. and I were feeling hungry. But I put a plate on the table in front of Raymond first, with the meal's components arranged as specified. We stood back. Wah! he caterwauled, almost as soon as his lips hit the spoon. Not enough salt! Raymond then jumped up, grabbed the plate, pushed J.B. and I out of the way, strode across the galley to one of the screen doors, kicked it open with his foot, and launched the whole thing, rice, beans, meat, and plate, off into the intercoastal waterway, like a frisbee. J.B. and I blinked in amazement. Wah! Indeed. But here's the thing. Over the upcoming months, Raymond proved to be as much of a stickler for seamanship as he was for cuisine. He subsequently taught both J.B. and I not only the rudiments, but the finer points of splicing lines tying knots, throwing heaving lines, the list goes on. And I continue to use virtually all of this stuff, Raymond's legacy, you might say, on the water today. Was Raymond Lafouche a cantankerous old geezer? Yes, but he was a very helpful old geezer as well. So, there you have it. It's the end of the story. I guess. But you know, I forgot one thing. One more acknowledgement I might make. To this day, and this is true, I think, I make about the best plate of red beans and rice you will have the pleasure of eating this side of New Orleans, Louisiana. Till next time, take care. 
Thank you for listening to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and leave us a review or rating. Or you can share us with your friends on social media or on the VHF. Anywhere you spread the word means a lot to us. Thanks again, and until next time, we'll see you on the water. <laughs>